It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz, including artist profiles, the next generation, educators, festivals, producers, venues, photographers, media, and a whole lot more. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today our guests are Michael Bard and Deborah Benner, who along with Amilcar Cruz are known as Trio Caliente, whose music is a blend of flamenco rumba, pop, and Brazilian jazz, and other types of music as well. Michael, Deborah, thanks for joining us here on All That's Jazz. Thanks, Alan. Glad to be here. Yeah, glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Well, it's our pleasure and an opportunity for us to explore a little bit about your music, certainly about the three of you, although Amilcar is not with us today. We can uh, still talk about him, and it's easier to talk about someone when they're not here anyway. (laughs) All seriousness aside, let me say by beginning uh, our discussion uh, this afternoon, if you would tell us a little bit about the formation of Trio Caliente. Whose idea was it, and how did all of you get together? Well, it's uh, sort of a, an interesting story. You know, Deb and I, um, uh, or rather, Amilcar and I, I should say, um, we're playing duets at a local venue, uh, Spanish guitar duets, in the style of the Gypsy Kings and Strunz and Farah, and you know, a little bit of Paco de Lucia. And then one night, the management uh, said, you know, you guys should add a singer, because the other act that was there had, had a, uh, a, a male vocalist. So uh, Deb and I met, and um, she was already very well-versed in the uh, Brazilian jazz and uh, Great American Songbook uh, music. So um, we asked her to, to join us. Long story short, we started to create our own music, a fusion of uh, rumba flamenco, Brazilian samba, bossa nova, maybe a little Argentine tango, anything, you know, anything and all things uh, Latin that had that sort of Latin flavor to it. We uh, subsequently released four albums over the years, and our music has been featured on, you know, a few uh, internet platforms, uh, national television. We're uh, in the process of releasing, uh, having an album release party whenever that's going to be able to happen for our forthcoming uh, album called Fly. So when you and Amilcar were doing this uh, gig, Deborah just happened to be in the audience that evening, or, or how how did that actually work? <laughs> well, no, <laughs> we were we were, uh, we were gating, gating at the time, and the management heard her uh, sing, and they said, "Oh, she sounds great." She so uh, I had been living in New York City for a while, and I'd been coming back to DC. Uh, to visit and had family in the area that needed a little uh, of my assistance. And I came back and ran into this crazy guy. And suddenly, I don't know, New York wasn't looking as good as it once had. (laughs) Although I spent a lot of background time in New York working with uh, swing bands and big uh, dance band orchestras where I had to sing all kinds of repertoire from all different decades back in the day and so had a lot of uh, music under my belt and also had um, 
always been in love with Spanish music because as a little girl, my brother married into this wonderful family from Puerto Rico, and the music, the best parties were always at my relative's house and where we danced to salsa in the kitchen and I snuck a little sip of sangria now and then and and uh, I just heard so much salsa and the, of the great masters, you know, and Spanish music, uh, everything from the African diaspora and just the greatest music and it was just in my soul and so I spoke Spanish fairly uh, easily from childhood because it was all around me and and then and the music just was in my heart you know it was part of my being and so when he said can you do this Gypsy King's uh, repertoire I'm like sure you know so and <laughs> along with the Brazilian and I had I had been with a Brazilian a totally Brazilian band years ago also that did everything in Portuguese like all night long of course always had loved the Stan Getz and Charlie Bird material and had actually been in the D.C. area, had actually worked with a lot of, you know, the relatives of of the great Charlie Bird and pretty fast and Joe Pass and, I mean, Joe Bird, I'm sorry, and uh, also Chuck Red, who's a good friend of ours who toured with Charlie for years and years uh, on playing vibes and drums and his brother Robert on piano. So it's a kind of a nice legacy of jazz. Jazz and Latin greats in the area. One thing led to another, and we started our our group. You know, it's interesting how many musicians, uh, vocalists, etc., have been influenced by either family gatherings or parties or parents playing uh, old vinyl records uh, in the house, and everybody starts dancing, and oh, all yeah. of a sudden, there it is. Well, it becomes part of the fabric of your of your life, your memories. It's like the soundtrack of your of your upbringing. And uh, it's always with you. You know, it's always with you. And that's the beautiful thing about music. You know, and it's always evolving. And old tunes that you knew from childhood, maybe, getting people remixing or, or, or doing the new versions of those tunes. And so there'll be a whole generation that never heard it originally back in the day, but they're hearing it now. We love our uh, version of uh, Summertime. Summertime And the living is easy Jumping in the cotton is high. Oh, your dad is rich, and your mama, she's good looking. So hush. Little baby, don't want you. Take to the 
took that and with a big shout out to uh, George and Ira, the Gershwin brothers who made it so famous and uh, we did it in our very own way for dancers, turning it into a salsa and our fans love it because they they always request it whenever we're playing it. So it's a whole new way of uh, introducing the beauty of jazz too. And so now your version of Summertime is on your latest release. Right, our latest release, which is called Fly, like Fly Away. <laughs> um, that's the only uh, cover version that we, uh, cover song that we did on this uh, forthcoming album. And uh, we were supposed to have a CD release party on Cinco de Mayo at uh, quite a well-known club uh, in Washington, D.C. called Blues Alley. And we were going to be joined by Scott Ambush, the bassist from Spyro Gyra, who we've been friends with for years and years, and also Danny Serafin, a uh, legendary uh, drummer, former drummer with the rock band Chicago. Unfortunately, that gig uh, has been postponed indefinitely. <laughs> but uh, Summertime is one of the, the... We were going to play all the song, most of the songs off the album, including uh, that archival version of uh, Summertime. So hopefully we'll be able to reschedule sooner than later and... Uh, play uh, the new tunes um, for our friends and fans. When you did this recording uh, of Summertime, what were your influences for that? And was it done in English, or did you add some Spanish uh, or Catalan? Well, we did both. We, uh, we started off with sort of the, that, that bluesy, and then uh, went right into that you know, fast, uh, fiery, gypsy rumba salsa so we yeah we mixed uh, English, Spanish, and salsa, rumba, blues, and jazz, and it just became our own sort of trio caliente, like a big stew, uh, a musical stew for <laughs> everyone's ears ears to feast on. <laughs> Would that be a fair description of the type of music then that you play normally? Uh, that is uh, a stew, if you will. Yeah, I would say. I, I think the reason that we have such a broad, gosh, an array of musical listeners, I, when I say array, I mean people who love all different styles of music and all different ethnicities and, and backgrounds and all ages. The only thing we've been able to come up with that, that explains it, which is a delightful thing, to, a wonderful, you know, thing to be pondering, is that we... We embrace so many styles and so many cultures that there's something that touches the heartstrings of, of of just many different generations. Many in D.C. is a very international area, the Washington D.C. area, and you have a lot of international visitors and also a lot of international um, uh, backgrounds. People that live here that are drawn here for for various uh, reasons. And they want to be entertained, and they want the music that speaks to their heart. And so on any given night that we're out performing, you'll see our Brazilian fans and our Spanish fans and our uh, Argentine fans that love tango and our, oh, my gosh, uh, many Middle Eastern fans that love, because we'll go into, like, uh, we'll throw in a lot of even Persian grooves and, and uh, Arabic and blending all of these styles together, it's sort of like we're a, a musical UN, I guess. I was just saying, that, that's kind of what our world is. You know, it, it's a shout-out to 
Uh, I mean, obviously, we're American performers uh, born and raised here our whole lives, but with these amazing influences of all different styles and all different sounds and colors and tastes. And I guess Michael's uh, euphemism of a stew is nice because it's like blending together a lot of beautiful ingredients and and getting this product that, that uh, is nurturing to to everybody. And uh, that's, a, that's the beauty of music, I think. Yeah. No, it and is. In fact, uh, Anilkar is the one who came up with that uh, that phrase, musical stew. I wanted to give it a shout out to him, our lead guitarist. He he now lives in um in Los Angeles. Flies we were back all there. about to move to California, and hence the title of our album, Fly, because we were getting ready to fly away <laughs> and all move to the West Coast. And then um, something kept us here, and Anilkar went ahead. But Michael's doing all this really great work with. Uh, the NIH, and also with Wounded Warriors programs here. And so there was just a, a reason for us to stay. He's working on using music with healing in pain and palliative care, playing uh, penicillin pieces, as they call them, to help ease uh, the stress of critically ill patients. And it's pretty fascinating work. So we fly to get together when we have a gig, like our upcoming gig at the Amelia Island Jazz Festival in October. Fingers crossed yes. that everything will go as planned, and hopefully we're out of the woods with this uh, virus, and we're just praying for a possibility of uh, really going through with uh, the Jazz Festival. We'll see. We have to be safe and let that be the number one. Indeed. Let me let me come back to the uh, Amelia Island Jazz Festival in a little bit. But, Michael, let me ask you uh, first, uh, the composition of your trio, is uh, two guitars and the vocalist, or is it one guitar, one bass? No, we use, um, it's uh, myself, mostly on rhythm. I play a few leads. Emil Carr plays the majority of the uh, lead guitar uh, solos. And those are on, you know, Spanish flamenco uh, acoustic uh, guitars with nylon strings. And then Dead sings, and she uh, plays uh, hand percussion. And um, uh, we have uh, pre-programmed, uh, you know, some ribbon tracks, some bass tracks. Um, so it's, you know, it's a trio with two, two guitars, and I sing backup vocals, and Deb sings the leads, and we have, uh, like I said, some, uh, um, some uh, pre-recorded uh, tracks that enhance our sound. So for both you and Amilcar, the background for your music and your history is rooted in Latin music? Well, actually, mine is more uh, rooted in, in rock and roll, and I would say the same for Amilcar. Um, you know, growing up as a, as a kid in the 70s and the 80s, I was really into classic rock bands like you know, Kiss and Queen and the Beatles, and then later on I got into heavy metal like Judas Priest and Iron Maiden and um, Metallica, which, you know, Amilcar is a big fan of, uh, of uh, that, that style of music, too. So he grew up playing rock and roll, as, as did I. And then uh, in our teen years, when I was 18, I started to get really into the music of Andre Segovia. And so I decided to switch from the electric guitar over to the classical Spanish guitar. And Amilcar was um, hugely influenced by Paco de Lucia, so he took flamenco guitar lessons from um, a gentleman here in D.C. named Paco de Malaga. So we both were, were late starters in terms of uh, 
you know, embracing the, the Latin music. Although Emilcar's roots are from, you know, his, his dad is from uh, Honduras and his mother is from Nicaragua, but he was born here uh, in Washington, D.C. So um, he does have the, the Latin roots, but he grew up, uh, as I did, uh, enjoying rock and roll, and then we turned uh, uh, turned over to other styles of, of music, like rumba and salsa and whatnot. And both of you studied abroad uh, through your learning and development. Right. Yeah, I, I studied classical guitar in Italy. Milker and I both studied a little flamenco guitar in, in Spain. Deb studied a little um, uh, vocal, flamenco vocal uh, technique in Spain as well. Been fortunate enough to uh, go on a few State Department tours over the years. We toured all over Chile and uh, El Salvador. I did two uh, tours of the Middle East playing uh, mostly American jazz and uh, a mix of Latin uh, music as well. So, um, yeah, the, uh, the schooling has taken me, taken me all, over the, all over the globe, and I'm really uh, grateful to have uh, been a part of it. There's a, a connection to things like the State Department and uh, goodwill tours and things like that. How did that uh, develop? Does one of you have a connection to uh, the government uh, in some way? Well, yeah, that's, uh, that's kind of a, a long story. But to make it short, uh, I have a good buddy who uh, teaches uh, guitar at Cal State Fresno. His name is uh, Corey Whitehead, Dr. Corey Whitehead. And uh, he performed at the Kennedy Center many years ago for a concert series called the Millennium Stage, a solo guitar concert. After his concert was over, a rather fortuitous occurrence, a woman who works for the State Department approached him, gave him his business, uh, her, his, gave him her business card, <laughs> and said, contact me, we've got these uh, State Department uh, Fulbright uh, programs where we send musicians to be basically... Um, you know, conveyors of, of diplomacy and, and goodwill, and uh, we'd like to, to uh, include you in this uh, this tour. So originally, um, he was going to go as a soloist, but then he called me and he said, Michael, let's put some, some duets together and we can go as a guitar duo. And I said, sure, that sounds great. So originally, we were just supposed to go to Morocco and Jordan to play for a couple of string festivals. Uh, this would have been in, in March of 2001. And then other countries uh, got word, and we ended up going to not only Morocco and Jordan, but we played uh, quite a few concerts in Yemen, Saudi Arabia, and Kuwait, and Bahrain. And uh, every single concert was wonderful. We were either performing at the uh, American embassies, or in public uh, concert halls, or even in uh, private homes of uh, others. So... Um, that's that's how it happened, and um, then a couple of years later, uh, Deb joined us, and we performed in Chile and El Salvador, and our last tour was back in 2010. So I'm not sure if this program is, is still going or not, um, but uh, we were very, very fortunate to be a part of it. Well, all of those programs and budgets have sadly been cut at this time, and what we found when we were traveling and performing is that it really brought cultures together. You know, it, it um, music, you know, as they say, soothes the savage beast. And one night we were performing in Chile, and there were some people picketing outside um, because of one of the, I think, one of the Bush administration's, um, one of their... Uh, it was during the APEC, APEC conference, American yeah, and Pacific Economic However, Conference. by the end of the concert, they had come inside to hear us, and they stayed for the concert. They became our friends, 
because they love the music. And it was like, it just shows you how music brings people together, unites cultures and people. And I still believe that as we live our lives, I, because we see it in our daily existence, music brings together the most disparate elements of, of different thoughts and cultures and ideas, and it unites rather than drawing, you know, apart. And so we still continue in our lives to see the beauty of that. And, and I think everyone around the world knows that truth, and we're blessed to be a part of it. You know, that program started back with, uh, I guess, in the 50s or early 60s with a Dizzy Gillespie doing the touring uh, was one of the first ambassadors of Goodwill through that program. Uh, through and the also, also Dave Brubeck. Dave Brubeck, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we feel like we're lucky to be part of a really great legacy. Well, and that's, uh, I think, especially uh, clear in these days uh, how we could all find ourselves once again being reunited with music and uh, people when and if we can all get back out again to initiate that or refresh it and keep that alive. Yeah. It's so true. And, you know, Alan, we're finding now that people are so starved for entertainment because they can't go to their local bar, their local restaurant, club, you know, uh, venues that always had bands touring. There just nothing's going on, and and so a lot of musicians are doing live concerts from their homes, and we we start a little thing called the couch concert because we, we do it on our couch, and we we just do it on our iPad. We record, and some of our friends will send in special requests, and we'll play their special requests, and then people will send a little PayPal donation of. Whatever, you know, 10 bucks, mm-hmm. 50 bucks, it's pretty cool. And um, a lot of musicians are staying alive right now by doing just that. And we're finding that when you fulfill a need that touches the heart and uplifts people, I think that's the greatest service we can give. And by the way, uh, in October with the Amelia Island Jazz Festival, I hope that uh, does come off and... It has, uh, I, I think, the potential of, of being there. Uh, even online today, I saw that they're holding back on ticket sales, but I, I, which may be prudent. But still, I, I, I'm hoping that by October we can make that happen. And, and what's great about it is I, I noticed that among the headliners, the top three acts uh, that they list are John Pizzarelli Trio, Ken Poplowski, mm-hmm. and Trio Caliente. That's All right. right. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And our our uh, our uh, date is Thursday, October the eighth, Thursday night, and it's a really cool venue. It's called um, the Sandbar and Kitchen. And it's a beautiful little city too. Really, it's a yeah. Beautiful place to to visit yeah. and kick back, and very lovely and great people. People that are big jazz fans that live there. I yep. gotta tell you. We get a huge dancing crowd, um, mm-hmm. and uh, the people right really the appreciate music. So, Deborah, in uh, looking on your side of the fence here, uh, you have a rather rich and very, very interesting background. You are not only this incredibly beautiful songbird vocalist, 
But Aww. you're also a professional actress. You do voiceover work. Tell us a little bit about some of those things. Oh, goodness. Well, I've been doing it since I was a kid. And finally, I started in the D.C. area, then went away, uh, then signed with an agent in New York. Of course, timing is everything. And uh, I signed with my agent, uh, ICM, in New York and was doing commercials and jingles. And, uh, you know, I've done everything from Discovery Channel to the voice of Discovery Digital, which was a client channel, very, you know, um, you know, that kind of delivery of uh, the uh, industrial or narrative. And then, but then I've ever done everything from cartoon jingles. In fact, my, my students, uh, I have a few kids that I teach and they, my biggest claim to fame with them is when I say, oh yeah, I, I sang the mom voice of the Fairly Odd Parents uh, cartoon jingle, and so that that's a, a really well known. The kids are like, "Whoa!" <laughs> but, but then my on camera stuff and my work has taken me to um, the the famous show House of Cards. I actually played the Secretary of Agriculture in seasons two, three, and four on House of Cards. So. A very different uh, side of me, playing uh, part of the president's cabinet there. So, yeah, I, I've done a lot of uh, voiceovers, jingles, uh, narrations for films, some off-Broadway. And, uh, yeah, I love, so I love a lot of styles. It's kind of, we have a really rich diversity of music and acting. So the musical theater is in my blood along with uh, jazz and, and Latin. Never a boring moment. <laughs> Because of your work prior to the, the trio, is that where you and Michael met or were connected in some way? I was actually living in New York, and I'd come down here to sing for a, an orchestra office in the D.C. area who did um, swing and big band, and there, there was a, a wedding reception at a beautiful um, venue here called the Woodrow Wilson House. And it was a beautiful spring day, and I had driven down four hours from New York, and to me, this was just a routine. Okay, I'm going to go do this event and make some books and maybe visit some of my friends in D.C. while I'm there. And I walked by this room where Michael was playing cocktail uh, classical music, and he was backlit by the sun in this beautiful, uh, framed in this beautiful window. And I did a double take. I was like, whoa, who's that? I've never met him before. Kind of had that look of a Botticelli angel playing his guitar. And, and then, uh, but I thought, nope, nope, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get swayed because I'm on my career path in New York. And I, 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 uh, whatever. He's just a nice guy. And then he came by and introduced himself. I got, I got to say, I got a little, the electrical voltage kind of shot up my, my arm. I thought he was, that he had one of those, um, what do you call it? The the whammy buttons that that right. <laughs> and sparks and shivers up your arm. <laughs> and then, but then I didn't see him for a year. I forgot all about it. I went back to my career in New York, and then fate would have it that we were put in one another's path a whole year later. It ended up that was at the club that we actually ended up playing at a place in uh, the Washington D.C. area called Bombay. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I think sometimes fate has things planned for us, even uh, when we're in the midst of other plans. So I'm not complaining because I love what we get to create together. It's pretty amazing. 
Absolutely. Yeah, so, <laughs> Michael, did she get that story right? Well, I'd say pretty much most of it. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> you yeah. saw her first, and then you just asked your uh, stage crew to light you like a Botticelli angel. Is that correct? Yeah, I, I had nothing to do with that. That was totally uh, a fortuitous occurrence right there. <laughs> So the two of you are, are the, the walking uh, personification of the term uh, making beautiful music together. Oh, sure. Uh, <laughs> yes, as corny as it sounds, it's true. I mean, you know, corny is good. Corny is good. <laughs> true. Well, it has its place. Romantic. Yeah. I think that's what our world needs a little more of now. You know, we, we think of that now that we're in these times of uh, quarantine and the simplest things that bring joy to everyone and comfort and, you know, a beautiful song, a beautiful, a favorite book, um, just being, being in nature, petting your dog. I know it sounds so simplistic, but we're all kind of going back to those roots and, and remembering what really, really matters. And, and maybe this thing had to happen to, 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 to get us back to that place. Well, it's been a uh, distinct pleasure and a joy to uh, speak with both of you today. Uh, it's too bad that uh, Amilcar uh, couldn't have been uh, with us, but uh, he's here in spirit, I'm sure. Absolutely. Thank you, Alan. And do you know how uh, we can let the uh, listeners find us? By all Maybe. means. Well, you can go to, well, our website is triocaliente.com. And then on Facebook. We're also on Instagram, Trio Caliente. T-R-I-O-C-A-L-I-E-N-T-E. But you can also check out the Caliente Classic Rock also and find out uh, Classic Rock Fans page on Facebook. And so we're kind of, we've got a variety, Caliente Classic Rock. A lot of ways to, to check us out. If you want to hear more about Michael's classical playing, you could go to michaelbard.com. And I think everybody that is listening to this podcast should do that too, because it's a true treat to, uh, to watch and hear the music of Trio Caliente. And it's, it's diverse, uh, it's uplifting, it, it's, uh, it's a party, uh, and it's just absolutely wonderful, beautiful music. We want you to hear Baila May too. That was our big hit on the TV show Smash on NBC. One of our songs was picked up for that, Bailame, which means dance with me. <laughs> when you're doing that, uh, just watching the video of Bailame, uh, it, it, it's absolutely amazing just watching the 
the not only the energy, but the connection that all of you have on stage and the fun. It, it just emanates uh, each time you perform it. I saw a couple of different videos and each one is equally as good, if not better, than the last one. Yeah, we, <laughs> we try to make it fun for everybody and uh, raise that uh, vibrational level, you know, positive vibes. <laughs> and that's what it's all about. I, I thank you again uh, for joining us today on All That's Jazz. Thank you so thank much. Thank you, Alan. Thanks for having it. us. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with the exciting and talented Trio Caliente. Our thanks to Ben Sidron for our theme song, Mr. P's Shuffle. Our next episode will feature a conversation with jazz historian, writer, and editor, Elaine Hayes. To learn more about this podcast and to offer us your feedback, please visit our website, allthatsjazz.net. 